It's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. It's certainly uh, my, my privilege, my uh, great responsibility um, that I have uh, to, to speak here this morning. Thank you, Mitch, uh, very much uh, for the prayer on my behalf. It's certainly my prayer and increasingly my prayer uh, you know, that I do uh, remember those things that I, that I want to say and that uh, those things are the truth and they're especially edifying uh, to all of us as we study these things from God's Word. Keeping our tongue. Uh, something I've been thinking about, uh, you know, quite a bit recently. You know, this morning uh, we, we sang some beautiful songs. We praised God with our mouths. We greeted each other this morning. You know, ask about, you know, how, how each of us are doing, and it's great to see you this morning, and we've had these wonderful words of blessing. We've blessed God with our mouths this morning. But you know, as James, the third chapter says, how can we bless God with our mouth, but then turn around and then curse someone? says so these things shouldn't be. And brothers and sisters, they shouldn't be. The praise and, and the good things and the positive things that's come out of our mouth this morning on a Sunday morning and, and hopefully will happen again Sunday night and Wednesday night. Does the, same, does the same thing, does the same blessing other people and blessing God, does the same thing come out of our mouth all week long or do we turn around and, and say and talk and post and text Things that we shouldn't. Scripture says, my brethren, these things ought not to be, and they shouldn't. But too often, that's exactly what we do. But we need to learn to keep the tongue, but keeping the tongue is a very difficult thing to do. Psalms 34 and 13 says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. So keep, when you think about that word, and I looked up keep, and uh, in the, you know, the, as far as the Greek uh, word for that and looking it up and trying to come up with a definition, it meant so many different things. But all of them were these action words where we're controlling something, we're guarding something, we're doing something, we're active in this keeping of our tongue. It's something that we have to work at diligently because it will get away from us. Our lips will speak deceit. If we allow them to do that, if it comes in our heart, and what's in our hearts is going to come out of our mouth. So this keep is something I really want us to think about this morning, and as we go forward uh, throughout the week in the world, that we think about keeping our tongue. And we're going to talk about the importance of that for a little bit this morning before we really get into some specific sins of the tongue. And for many of us, these things are things that we've heard many, many times for our young people or maybe people young in Christ. Maybe you really haven't studied these things diligently and really realized some of the sins of the tongue that, are, that, are the, that we can be uh, guilty of partaking in or really understanding what those things are. So we're going look to at, look at some of those this morning. <clears throat> First Peter 3, beginning in verse 8. 
says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Scripture here tells us to have compassion, love, be tender-hearted, courteous. When we do these things, there are certain things that we're not going to do. And one of those things that we're not going to do is we're not going to return evil for evil. We're not going to revile someone just because they've reviled us. But on contrary, contrary to that, and contrary to what the rest of the world would have us do, contrary to what our friends and our peers do, contrary to what we see other co-workers do, contrary to what we see on television, contrary to what we see all through the world, Blessing. Blessing. Because we know something. We know that we're called. We are called to do this. As Christians, as children of God, we are called to be different. And we want to inherit that blessing that the Scripture mentions. That blessing of a home in heaven, eternal peace and rest that Jesus describes to us that He offers. We want that. But we got to live contrary to the world and contrary to what the, the world wants us to do and what the world teaches us. And if He would love life and see good days, we want to see good days here in this life. We need to control our tongue, but especially to inherit that blessing. To do what we're called to do, we need to keep our lips from speaking deceit and turn away from those things. It says, let him refrain. Again, these action words that we have to actually work at to do when we think about refraining something is, is keeping it from doing something. Maybe keeping, keeping a child from getting into a dangerous place and we grab a hold of it and we keep them. It's what we've got to do to our tongue and it, and it takes work. James, the third chapter, and we're not going to go there this morning, but again, it talks about the destructive power of the tongue. It causes it, calls it an unruly evil. What is unruly? It's something that doesn't follow the rules. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's unruly. Just waiting for a chance to strike. Describes it as a deadly poison. We understand poison and what it does. It's ready to kill the spirit of another person. It's described as a fire, spreading destruction. Remember the fires that we had around here this last spring. Destructive. That's what the tongue can do. James 1 and 26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is useless. Who in here 
would want their religion to be useless. Useless to God. Useless to the church. Useless to the world that needs it from you. It's vain. It's useless. What is useless? You know, I've recently moved, as most of you know. And I've opened boxes and seen things and stuff that I haven't seen in years. And I've had to come to grips that some of it's just useless. Some of it's, it's just vain to keep it. Got out an old jam box. Some of you don't know what a jam box is. But you know, I don't need it anymore. You know, I've got a Google Home right there on the table. I can just say, hey, Google, play some music. And it plays, and whatever song I want. I don't need that jam box anymore. Batteries have been in there for probably 20 years, and, and they were all corroded. You know, I could still plug it in. I thought, you know, it's still... No, it's not. I'm never going to use it again. So ugh, I got rid of it. Threw it away. It's useless. And that's what our religion is. It's vain to say that we're religious or to act like a Christian and say that we're this and that. But then we talk any way that we want to. And we talk the way the world would have us to. And it's destructive and it does damage. And it's useless. It can just cause us to, to look like a hypocrite and do a lot more damage than good. Matthew, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 35, says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The scary thing is, is that our words reveal our heart. And sometimes we don't want to accept that. We don't want to think that. But if we say things and we, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that, and we constantly do that, brothers and sisters, that's what's in our heart. That's the reason it's coming out, is because we've let it settle in a place. And it's right there at the surface. And when we're emotional or other times, those things will come out when they shouldn't. Because it will reveal what is in our heart. So we must keep our tongue, and it's something we must deliberately do. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Everything that we say is a choice that we're making. We're choosing for the words that come out to be wholesome and to be a blessing to God, a blessing to people. Or something that breaks the Spirit. Choice that we make every time. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Multitude of words, sin is not lacking. You know, sometimes when we're having a discussion with somebody and we start getting emotional and we get louder and we get more and we think we're going to win or whatever, get the position that we want out of this because we're going to out-talk somebody. 
And when we do that, we can end up saying some foolish things, things that are unwise. Sometimes we just need to have few words. The more we say, the more trouble our tone can get us in. Especially when we're having some of those discussions or we're, we're around certain people or whatever that can, that can cause us our, causes our lips to get loose. We need to restrain those lips and be wise. Proverbs 15 and 28, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Studies how to answer. Think before we speak. We're in those discussions or we're in those conversations and uh, we're emotional and whatever the case is, and it's right there at the edge and maybe wants to come out, but we need to keep our tongue, and we do that by studying how to answer, thinking before we answer, not too quick, not too loud, not too emotional, think. Know how we're going to answer before we just answer. The mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. We've been around those people where their mouth just pours out evil pouring out and studying to answer are very two different things keeping our tongue and pouring is very two different things controlling what's coming out of our mouth colossians 4 and 6 let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one we understand salt I understand salt very well. I like salt. You know, when we're fixing something, fixing something to eat, it needs a little salt. We add a little salt, taste it. Yeah, it needs a little more. Put a little more on it, taste it. Maybe just a little more. Put it on that, taste it. Ah, uh, just right. That's how our speech needs to be. Consciously keep our tongue. Think about what we're going to say. Season it with salt so that we can know how to answer people in a way that's going to be edifying. We can win an argument but lose someone's soul. We can win an argument but completely fail to be a positive example. We can win an argument but fail completely to influence someone to come visit our assemblies. Because of what we say and how we say it and our failure keep our tongue we're going to look at specific sins of the tongue this morning and really think about what those things are cursing lying swearing using God's name in vain gossip and obscene talk so we'll begin this morning with cursing cursing is to feel or express great dislike for to wish evil thereon <clears throat> now certainly and hopefully we don't say things like this but we hear people that's mad at somebody and they'll say use a four letter word them associate some name that we're talking about or maybe arguing with and put a four letter word with it that's obviously cursing that person but also wishing evil on 
You know, have we ever wished evil on somebody that maybe pulled out in front of us in a car? Somebody we don't even know? We don't know their condition. We don't know what's on their mind. We don't know what crisis they may be in, what kind of trouble they have in their lives, and we're ready to just curse them because they pulled out in front of us. Romans 12 and 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Bless saying nice things for them. Doing nice things for them. Contrary, as we talked about earlier. Contrary to what the world expects us to do. Contrary to what they probably expect us to do. Bless and not curse. Matthew 5 and 44. Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wait a minute. Pray? Not just be nice to them. Not just keep our tongue and not say evil about them or to them. But we need to go another step spiritually and we need to pray for them. You know, that's not easy to do. You know, I've been some, some, in some situations, particularly in, uh, as, a, as a school administrator when I knew I was having some difficult conversations. Conversations with people who had cursed me who had said terrible things to me that weren't true, you know, amongst the community just because they were mad at me. And I knew I was going to have to have conversations the next day. And I did not have good feelings towards that person. But you know what I did? I really tried to pray hard for that person. And you know what that did to me? It instantly, not instantly, but the more I did it, the more it softened my heart towards that person. As I prayed specific things for that person, my heart softened, my ill feelings went away, and my mind and my heart and my emotions got in a place where it needed to be so that I could have a positive conversation with that person. That's what we need to do. Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools, there's that word again, pours. You know, pours is the opposite of, of like keeping something. When we keep something in control like a gate or whatever versus just pouring something out. The mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. We're going to have to deal with people in this world. And sometimes it's going to be very, very difficult. And they're not going to have soft words for us. They're going to have harsh words for us. And we can come right back with those harsh words and just stir it up bigger. Look like a hypocrite. Lose positive influence that we could have on that person just by what we say, 
because we fail to keep our tongue. We fail to give them a soft answer and turn away that wrath, and instead we feed it. <clears throat> lying. Scripture very well defines lying, and we know what it is. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 22. So that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. When we become a Christian, we need to put off those things. We're buried with Christ in baptism. We crucify the old man's sin and we rise up out of that water a new person. Now does that mean instantly we're not tempted and we can have completely control of our tongue? No. But we need to have a different mind. A mind that says, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to grow spiritually and I'm going to learn to control my tongue. And as I grow spiritually, that's exactly what I do. As I do learn to control my tongue. Have that renewed mind. Verse 24, that you may put on that new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, because of these things, because we're a new man, because we have a renewed spirit, we need to put away lying and let each one speak truth. What is lying? It's failure to speak truth. We understand what truth is. Truth is the way it is. And when we say things that's not the way it is, that's not the truth, then we lie. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Proverbs 12 and 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. Looked up deal. Tried to do a word study on deal, and it was kind of like, like the word keep. Could mean a lot of different things and meant a lot of different things in Scripture, but all of it was... You know, how, how the dealings that we have with other people, the things we say to other people, how we treat other people, the way we look to other people, the influences that we have with other people. Lying lips are an abomination. Abomination means disgusting. Lying is disgusting to God. He hates it. Revelations 24 talks about how all liars will have their place in that lake. That lake of fire. It's a serious thing. But we get conditioned in a way that makes lying easy for us. And it's easy for that to happen. Number one is just practicing it. We practice it and get away with it, and that feeds us. If I can do that again, boy, that made things a whole lot easier is just to tell that lie and get out of that situation. So I'll, do, I'll try that again. Or maybe just hearing other people. We're around other people that just don't tell the truth. TV, the things that we watch, just make it seem like it's nothing. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with lying. People openly do it to us and, and we see it in front of us all the time. And it can corrupt us. Make us think that it's okay. It's not okay. Not only is it not okay, it's an abomination 
to the Lord. But dealing truthfully, our Father in Heaven delights. He delights in that. It pleases Him. And that's what He wants us to do. And it's not always easy to do that. Proverbs 21.6 says, Getting treasure by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Sometimes we can be untruthful in our business dealings and make some money because of that. But it's a fleeting fantasy. It is not real. We may get some money and we may enjoy that money for a short time. What we're doing is seeking that eternal death. And we fail to keep our tongue and we become a liar. Something we need to take very, very seriously and just because it, it seems so prevalent, it shouldn't be amongst us. You know, we think about reasons to lie. A lot of them are selfish. A lot of them for personal gain. You know, I want people to think of me in a certain way, so I'm going to tell them something that's not true. I'm going to brag. Or again, for, for business reasons, to get to gain, gain from that. We lie to cover, cover up. Cover up sin. We don't tell our parents the truth because we know we're going to get in trouble if we do. Kiddos, Tell your parents the truth. Every time, tell them the truth. There are consequences when we sin. There's consequences that we do wrong. But your parents are going to love you and you're going to become the Christian that you need to be if you'll tell the truth and you learn to tell the truth and you'll always strive to tell the truth. It's important to your parents. It's important to God. Tell the truth. We lie for pride. We want people to think more of us than we do. We can think about Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they'd done a good thing in selling their land and giving it. But they told a lie in that they gave more than what they really did for pride so that people would, would be deceived into thinking they did more. People lie because of habit. So know a person when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, he couldn't tell the truth, or it didn't seem to. It was just for absolutely no reason he would lie. Not, it didn't even seem like it was gaining any, you know, for any of these things we've just mentioned. He would just do it. It can become that to us if we fail to keep our tongue and we practice that. Another sin of the tongue is swearing. Swearing means to promise with an oath to make a solemn declaration with an appeal to God to confirm it. So when we say something, it's, I promise. I swear. I swear to God. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye when we're kids. 
If it's not the truth, I'm going to harm myself. I've heard people swear on graves of loved ones. Matthew 5, verse 33. Christ said, Again, you have heard that it was said of, of, of those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. We can read about these in, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers and, and it talked about these oaths and how careful they needed to be with those oaths. And if you swore to the Lord, you better keep it. Sin if you don't. Christ said in verse 34, But I say to you, do not swear at all neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. We swear by things that we're not in control of, and we're really not in control of anything. Instead, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for, what, so, for whatever is more than these is from who? The evil one. It comes from the evil one when we swear things. It's not something that we should do. Yet we hear it all the time. We see it on postings in social media all the time or just in casual conversations we hear something from somebody and said no you're kidding me I swear to God we don't need to do that James 5 and verse 12 says but above all my brethren do not swear either by heaven or by earth, with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. What is that judgment? Well, we know, just said what that comes from. It comes from the evil one. It's not going to be good judgment that we fall into when we swear. If we have a habit of this, we need to work on it. And we need to stop doing it. And we need to speak the truth. And we need to be known as people that speak the truth. So that we don't have to make some solemn oath swear that we say something is true. What we say needs to be true. And we need to be a people that, that when we deal with people in the world, they understand it, that it's true. And we don't have to make these oaths. And we don't have to swear. And our word is good. Using God's name in vain. We talked about this earlier. Vain means useless. It's of no value. People say, you know, I understand God's name has value. You know, I would, I would never use God's name in vain. And hopefully nobody here, and we don't, you know, use God's name and then with a four-letter word. 
If we've lived very long amongst the world, we've probably heard that. Hopefully we don't say it. But when we use God's name in a way that it's, that it's useless and it doesn't ha have any value, that's going to be displeasing to God. You know, people will say, oh my God, because the other team scored a touchdown? Because the macaroni and cheese burned? Because we heard some piece of gossip that's just startling to us? Oh my God! That is using God's name in vain. In a useless, devaluing way. OMG! Out of our mouths all the time. Posting it online over some ridiculous thing. God's name should be revered. When we speak His name, it should be praising Him. It should be thanking Him. It should be telling other people about Him. Exodus 20 and 7 says, You shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes His name in vain. Uses His name in a useless way. If we do that, we need to work on it. And maybe we're not thinking about it in that way. And maybe not realizing that that's what we're doing. But why are you using His name? If it's because the other team scored a touchdown, it's probably in vain. Psalms 8 and 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. How excellent is his name. And we should use it in an excellent way. Psalms 29 and 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. His name is due glory. Not vanity. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. His name is holy. And we worship Him. Recently had a, a lesson about worship and how it's just, it's everything in our life. Matthew 6 and 9. Christ was teaching His disciples how to pray. He says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. His name is hallowed. His name is to be revered, not to be used in vain. Gossip. Pastime for many, many people. Casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Unconstrained, I kind of like that word. It sounds like that pouring out. Pouring out evil. 
foolishness. Talking about casual reports of other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as true. So maybe we, we, we spread some of this gossip. We spread, this is what we heard. Well, I heard this. And maybe if we talk to that person and says, do you know for sure that's true? Well, no, but somebody told me. He says, okay, well, let's go to that person and let's confirm it. No, 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 no. I wouldn't want to do that. Then let's not say it. Then let's not talk about it. Then let's not let that be a part of us. Proverbs 20 and 19 says, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. One, if it's true or not, doesn't mean that we need to be talking about it. We may know something that is true. That doesn't mean that we need to go telling other people about it. In fact, that's not even somebody that we should be associating with. So should we be doing it as children of God? Become somebody that other people shouldn't associate with? It's a serious thing. And it happens on social media and it happens out of our mouths all the time. A tellbearer, Proverbs 11 and 13, a tellbearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Again, we may know something. Doesn't mean we have to talk about it. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. The gossip, if we do hear something, and we don't need to be searching for it, but if we do hear it, we need to be a fire stop. We need to be the backburn. We need to be where it stops. It doesn't come from us. He who covers a transgression seeks love. We may know about things from other people, and we can help them, and we can pray with them about those things. What we don't need to do is spread those things. He who repeats a matter separates friends. If we talk about our friends, we're probably going to lose our friends. But we can talk about things amongst other people and cause relationship issues for other people because we can't keep our tongue. Because we can't keep something that should be kept. <coughs> Reasons we gossip? Well, we enjoy the pleasure of someone else. We hear something, something involved, that somebody else is involved in, so we want to talk about it. For some reason we get enjoyment out of that. To lift ourselves up. We know something that other people don't know. So they look at us. Oh, wow, that was a juicy gossip. Tell me more. You're so great because you know this. Or to put someone else down. Well, we think it's an excuse if it ends up not being the truth to say, that's the way I heard it. Like that's an excuse, like we're innocent 
of saying this untruth just because that's the way we heard it. We are not. Lastly, we want to talk about obscene talk. Obscene talk is dirty language. Yeah, the four-letter words. Jesting is ribaldry. You know, sometimes when you're looking up words, you've got to look up the definition. Vulgarly, vulgarly abusive joking. Hopefully we don't say it. Again, if we've lived in the world very long, we've heard it. Does not be, need to be a part of us. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1, says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, let us not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. They're not fitting for us. I can hear my words of my mother saying, that's not fit to watch, that's not fit to listen to, that's not fit to wear, that's not fit. And it's not, brothers and sisters, that's not fit for us to be a part of. It's not fitting. We need to control it, and we need to not be a part of it. Colossians 3 and 8, But now you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed, renewed mind that can control the tongue. It's hard, and we're going to slip, and none of us are perfect or going to be perfect. But we need to have a renewed mind that gets a tame on this thing that can keep it and works diligently to keep it renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created Him. That's a tall order to be in the image of God, to be in the image of Christ by how we conduct ourselves in these things and how we speak. We need to keep our tongue in closing, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's a hard order. But it is something that we can work at and do better at and can keep. That three-letter word is let. It doesn't come out of us uncontrollable. We let it come out. Instead, what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. I've said it before, but our words are like a hammer. A hammer can do great things. Put things together. Construct a sturdy home. Build things. When you get ready to tear something down, what do you pick up? The same hammer. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. The lesson is yours this morning. I hope that it's been edifying. I hope that it's maybe got our attention on maybe some things that we haven't understood on maybe some things that we've uh, maybe been a little lazy at, and I am certainly, certainly speaking to myself, talking to the man in the mirror when it comes to controlling our tongue and, and making the things that would come out of, of our mouth be things that build people up, not tear them down. If you've never obeyed the gospel, we would invite you to do that this morning. If you've been taught the gospel and you understand what you need to do, and do that this morning. You can come forward. You can confess Christ before this audience. You can repent of your past life. You can be buried with Christ in baptism and have your sins forgiven and rise up out of there with a, as a new person ready to serve God. Maybe you've done that, but you have a need in your life. You've struggled with, with things in your life and you need the prayers of the church. We'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.